Let's see, there we go. All right, we have success. It really is a joy to be back. Uh, I preached both weekends uh, I was away. Uh, one in a, I'll show you pictures of it. I actually spent a lot more time on these slides than I intended to during the service. So, uh, hey, Smith family, long time no see, all right? You're going to see plenty of their pictures here in a little bit, mainly Jamie, but all of you are in at least one of them. Uh, we had a great time going to Zambia and South Africa. And uh, it's, been a, it's been two weeks of, um, of being just challenged by God's word, seeing God glorified in so many different ways. Uh, I, I want to just share with you up front that um, as I share, I, it's unscripted. I have the slides to remind me what to say, and, and, uh, but I, I wanted to share a story first. And, and uh, you know Phil Hunt. Most of, many of you know Phil Hunt, and if you don't know him, uh, you will in the coming years as you uh, remain with us. Uh, but he is um, one of our missionaries that we support, he and his wife, um, Lori. And uh, he, he asked me about the, the, we were there for the first week was a conference, and, he, and about the, the, the uh, second to last day, he said, hey, Greg, let's get together tomorrow and let's debrief, all right? You know, I have a military background. Debriefing always sounds like no fun at all. Uh, so I'm like, okay, I don't know exactly what it means. Is he going to debrief me? Am I supposed to debrief him? Are we going to debrief each other? Uh, I wasn't sure, but I figured I better get my ducks in a row. So I started processing what I had been living for this week of this conference, at least in the four, four days of the conference. And so when we got together, it was, it was a time where two friends get together and we're just talking. And, uh, and it was time for me to share my, my piece. And I said, you know, Phil, uh, his question was like, well, you know, what do you think about this week? What's, what's going on? And, and I said, Phil, the only analogy I can come up with is the idea of, I think I just had a camp experience. And I, it's up to me to figure out, am I going to allow it to have lasting impact? Or is it going to be something short-lived? Many of us might know the stories about camp decisions, and usually they're slammed as in, oh, that's just a camp decision, like nothing genuinely happened, and that's wrong. I would say the majority, the overwhelming majority of camp decisions are real and genuine, whether it be a, uh, an adult or a child. They come, they come to this intensified focus on God's Word, and, and, they, and they, it, it, it does what God's Word is intended to do. It challenges the heart. It encourages. And the fact that it may not live long after, the impact may not live out, be lived out as long as we would hope, doesn't diminish the fact that it really genuinely happened. And so as I share this analogy, it's just the idea of I don't know yet how much these past few weeks have, been, um, have impacted me. Uh, I will say this, they impacted me. I've been, on, I've been all over the world, folks. I have been on many missions trips. I have been under the Word of God for, I've been preaching the Word of God for 25 years and under the Word of God for, you know, probably 30 at this point. Uh, actually, it'd probably be about 32. Um, it was a great week at the conference, and it was a great week after the conference. But so as I, I share these slides, I want you to understand, I'm still processing 
And I, and I hope you'll enjoy the slides. It's like watching home movies, someone else's home movies, right? I lived it. Smith lived it. We'll be like, oh, yeah, oh, cool. And you're being like, no, hopefully not. Okay. But let's get into the slides, all right? So, um, so I'm going to start with uh, just talking about people's places and ministries, right? You're going to see familiar faces, some of you, and strange faces, right? Uh, but let me just walk you through what's, what's happened, and we'll start with the beginning, right? We landed in Ethiopia. How many of you have ever been to Ethiopia? Come on, a few. There's the Smiths all raising their hand. A couple, hey, that's Tom, because you've been there. There you go. Christine's been there. A few of you have been there, Jack, right? And, uh, and someone else, I saw a hand back there. So this is us landing in Ethiopia at sunrise. Uh, and that's Lorelei. And I want to give her credit. The majority of the photos that you will see are hers. She does this for uh, part of her living. She's uh, also going to school, but this is obviously not her taking the photo. This is a selfie, all right? And, uh, but it was beautiful. So we landed in Ethiopia, and that was the beginning. That was uh, the end of a really long trip, but, um, but it was fun, and it was beautiful. We stayed with the Hunts. Christine and I stayed with the, with the Hunt family. So this is Phil and Lori, and they were very gracious hosts. Uh, we had all kinds of activities at their house. And, uh, but I want you to, if you don't know Phil and Lori, this is them. They are sent from this body of believers. Uh, it was so, wherever we went, Phil would, would uh, or either he would explain it or someone would assume when they heard that he was sent from this church that I was the pastor who sent them. I'm not that old. All right. No, uh, uh, they've been at it for a while. I said, well, no, I've only been there, you know, three and a half years. All right. But, but they have a long relationship with this church and they love you and they send their love. Uh, the first Sunday I had the opportunity to be at the, is it Chapada compound, Chapada village compound. And, um, so now I want you to understand, I was, I was preparing for a Zambia trip and I wasn't preaching. I wasn't preaching that first Sunday. Uh, because there was a missionary that was going to be coming to the Kitway Church, which we'll see in a minute. And, and uh, Eman- Emmanuel Zuma? Eman- Emmanuel Juma. 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 Uh, and, uh, and they were celebrating the fact that this was the one week they were back. He was back for the conference, and so he gave a report to the church, and I was happy to not uh, have to have that responsibility of preaching in English with PowerPoint. Instead, I got to preach a message I never preached, a more, uh, preached through. I had, to, I had to figure it out pretty quickly. Uh, through an interpreter into Bemba. All right? And, and it's fun. I've taught through. I've spoken through an interpreter before. It's, it's fun. It's challenging. A wonderful group. But I want you to understand, this particular church, we're first world church, folks. This is third world church. And it was wonderful. The singing. Oh, my word. They, they were supposed to have their choir sing that day, and they didn't. But the choir members were in the congregation because we're sitting up front, and they start singing. And, oh, my word, uh, they are rich in, in singing talent, and they were just worshiping God. It was just a wonderful experience. Uh, that evening, we went to Keatway Church, and, and uh, Phil, uh, that particular night, they had a panel discussion, uh, again, asking questions to their missionary, the, to the Jumas, and uh, engaging in a discussion, and, and it, was a very, it was a wonderful time of singing and, and learning. Uh, so that's what we did on the first night. He's an elder in that particular church. All right, this is the building of Central, Af- Central Africa Baptist University. This is what you see from the roadside. It's, it's an impressive building, uh, and it's uh, more impressive when you find out what's going on inside. 
Okay, so this particular week is their 18th annual leadership conference. It was attended by four to 500, I think, uh, pastors and people, uh, others, uh, from all over Africa and all over the world. It was, I've been at conferences, folks. This was, this was wonderful. I can't tell you enough about how this was just an invigorating time for me to sit under different preachers, teachers, and, and to hear the singing uh, in all different languages. Again, English is the, prime, is the spoken language in Zambia, but they all have their own dialects, their own languages that they, that, uh, they grow up from, from their villages. But English is the language of commerce. English is what's taught in schools. But so many people are not availed the opportunity of school. So they speak their natural language, right? And so it was wonderful. So lots of music, lots of singing. All right, I wanted to show this guy's face. Uh, you don't know him. If we could ever get him here, we would be blessed. Jamie, work on it, okay? All right, this is Conrad. How do you say his last name, Jamie? Mbewe. All right, uh, Conrad is good enough for me. Every time this guy stood behind a pulpit, everybody was glued to every word. As he unpacked God's word, he's known affectionately as the Spurgeon of Africa. He's a very effective preacher of God's word. And, uh, and he comes and he speaks at the conference every year. Uh, love to have him here. All right. But that's, that's what was going on. We had speakers from all over the place. We had speakers from Kenya, uh, from, um, from uh, well, I know I met people from Kenya, from Sudan or South Sudan, from Congo, from certainly Zambia, South Africa. Uh, there was, and, and uh, probably many more places, all right? There were people from all over the place. The main speaker was uh, from the United Arab Emirates, all right? So I think that constitutes Middle East, am I right? All right, so, uh, I, I, dude, I didn't know I was going to rely upon you so much. You weren't there first service, all right? So, uh, but it, here's Jamie. Jamie is one of the speakers. He spoke multiple times at the conference. And, and I just wanted to highlight, I'm not going to go in through all the preaching. I have the notes. I'm processing. I, I, I ordered the, the, the audio so I can, re- I've already listened to some, of, some more of it, in, even in preparation for this morning. And, uh, but notice the theme, gospel advance among amongst the least reached. We tend to think of Africa as the least reached. And certainly there are places in Africa that are the least reached. But African Christians are focused on the least reached in the Middle East. They have, they have churches that are seeking to plant churches in Islamic culture, in Islamic territories. They are, they are passionate about the gospel of Jesus Christ going forth as we are. And when we talk missions, we think from the, from the United States to the world, and that's appropriate. That's the way we should think about it. But as Africans, they're looking at it as from Africa to the ends of the earth. But their focus this year was gospel advance amongst the least reached, focusing on those areas that have never heard the gospel because they don't, the gospel isn't in their language yet. People who understand language haven't gone there yet. And these people are intent on getting there, getting into the tribes that haven't heard the gospel yet or getting into areas where it's just not safe to share the gospel. There are people that I met and that Jamie knows well who are going into areas of the world where they could likely lose their lives because of their, uh, their ministry of bringing the gospel where it needs to go. It's humbling, folks. It's humbling. So he did a great job. As, there you go, Jamie. There's my, you know, great job. All right. Uh, 
Uh, but this was work. This was play, okay? So here we have, this is about, I think it was Wednesday, a group of us uh, had the opportunity to go visit Faith Children's Village, which is one of the ministries we support as a church. Many of you have been there. Some of you have been there. And uh, where the roads over there, you cannot traverse in a regular car. You just can't do it. You can't get to where, you can't get there from here, right? It means you can't, unless you have a vehicle like this or a dirt bike, all right, you just, it's very difficult terrain. So this is an all-wheel drive. Uh, and we were going through, we were going this way. We were going through huge mud puddles. We were going through to get where we needed to go. Uh, they want to clear pictures. So they say, hey, do you mind if we drive on top? The, the, the driver who I'll introduce in a minute said, sure. I thought we lost them a few different times as we were going. But they, they said at the end, they're like, no, this was fun. It was great. Uh, I think they might have gotten a few scars here or there. All right. But uh, they had fun. They, they're in full African mode right now. Full Zambian mode, reliving their eight years of ministry when they served there in, Am- in Zambia. So we went to Faith Christian Village. Uh, it is a, notice this, purpose statement right there on the sign. Uh, nurturing orphan children in Zambia to be faithful and productive disciples of Jesus Christ. Well, I wanted to pause on this for a moment to just explain that in Zambia, constitutionally, they are a Christian. They call themselves a Christian nation. It's in their governing documents. But it's not Christian necessarily as you and I discuss Christianity, saving faith, Christianity. It's saying we're a Christian nation. We're not Islamic. We're not Hindu. We're not something else. We're, we're under the, so it's all the Christian umbrellas, all the, all, the, all the faith groups under a Christian umbrella. But this particular ministry is seeking to actually produce disciples of Jesus Christ, right? Faithful, productive Disciples of Jesus Christ, who have been orphans, orphanages are are aplenty over there. Uh, Plenty of kids, uh, plenty of, a lot going on. So we went to this particular place, which you as a church body have been supporting for many years. And and we were introduced to a few people. The the gentleman on the very left is on the IBM Global Board. That's uh, Steve Hartung. The the gentleman next to him between he and Jamie is uh, a guy that was driving the vehicle. His name is uh, Mukuka. Lord willing, he will be preaching here in June. Lord willing, right? That is our hope. He runs the, the, the Faith Christian Village. He is passionate about the gospel and bringing the gospel into these children's lives. He's also active in uh, his church. Uh, is, he, is he an elder? Yeah, okay. So um, just an amazing guy. All right, we'll talk more about him uh, when he gets here in June. All right, the gentleman on the other side of Jamie is uh, uh, Green, Greenwell, uh, and uh, he's very active in this ministry as well, and get, didn't get to know him as much, but certainly these, these gentlemen are, are related to Central Af- African Baptist University, but they're, they're serving in this context as they minister, and the gospel is going forth. This is one of the houses that the children live in. They have a house that holds, I think it's, uh, is it, Eight or twelve, I forget. Uh, and uh, but each house has a mother, right? A person designated as mother, and she cares for them. Uh, they are there's uh, vigorous vetting of these individuals to make sure who they are and what their purpose is, and they're supporting this idea of discipleship. But they live. This is their home. This is their living room. Uh, they also have a kitchen. And they have bedrooms with bunks, and and it's very simple living. 
And there are many homes on this property. Uh, there's also classrooms. There's a school associated with this, uh, as well as they're building more buildings to house more uh, as the ministry grows and prospers, all right? But the gospel is going forth. They also have a, a medical center, this particular medical center. People walk for miles, uh, and I would say possibly even hours to get here to get free medical care. Uh, and I could go into more details about it, but I think you can understand when you need medical care, you need medical care. And, and you want to go someplace where they'll actually care for you and provide you what you need. And this place does just that. Uh, Christine had the opportunity to just converse with one of the nurses there, nurse to nurse, talking about different things. And, and it, was, uh, uh, it was an education, but it was also edifying to know that all these people are motivated by the gospel. As you exit that village, on the back side of the village, here's, there's a church that is, uh, uh, um, accompanies the, the, the land right next to it. And this is Pastor Edward. And uh, Pastor Edward has is, uh, is, uh, been at this church for 20 years. And I could say a lot about him. He is uh, very involved in CABU. He runs their chaplain ministry, uh, which is a vigorous ministry uh, of, of Central African Baptist University. Uh, but what I wanted to point out from this church, this is a church of 300. I do not know how many people are in this room. But this room is a lot bigger than that church. And they have one service. And it's 300 people. And he's been pastoring it for 20 years. And I think it's just wonderful. I, just, I, I was shocked when I heard how many people. That's what we run about on a Sunday, I think. It's about 300, I think. That's what we run. Uh, uh, maybe more. I'm not, I'm not sure. But, but notice this. He, this church is planning this church. They're planting a church that's an additional 16 kilometers from that church. And they did the research. They did everything. This is the guy. This guy. I think it's Emmanuel. Uh, he is, he is, uh, he is uh, engaged. And boy, is he happy to be engaged, right? And that, that building behind them is in the process of being built. That will be the home that he lives in with his, with his future wife, right, once, once they're married. But there, this building over to the right is the church building. And, and uh, this is its current sit, uh, setup. They're, it's in progress. But they're actually using it for church. And, I, and to me, as an American, having to drive with a vehicle that is just crazy, like, I'm glad we're not getting stuck. I'm like, this feels like the middle of nowhere. And, and I asked Emmanuel, I was like, how did you find this place? He goes, I did my research. And I went around and I studied and I figured this is, and, and a group of them from, from Pastor Edwards Church, they figured this is the place where we want to plant a church. People travel hours to go to Pastor Edwards Church. They walk for hours to go to church. That's third world Christianity, folks. There's a, and I'm not saying third world is better than first world. I'm just saying that is the commitment level that these people have to church is that they will walk hours to do what we do. Um, and I think that's something we should really just applaud and just, and just be thankful for and say, and it should challenge us, what is our commitment? I mean, you're here, so I'm preaching to the choir, but I'm just saying, I mean, I would watch church via internet, probably, because I can do that. I wonder if I would walk two hours to church if I was in that situation. I hope I would say I would. As you're driving around, you see other buildings that have like newer construction. I remember I saw this uh, building, and I was glad that uh, Lorelai took a picture of this. Um, and uh, I was like, oh, that's a new building. Yeah, no wonder. 
Jehovah's Witnesses are active and present, as well as uh, Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, as well as other as the prosperity gospel, as well as all kinds of, there's a lot of spiritual um, activity uh, going on over there. And I will say it's a warfare. There's a war going on. We live it here. They're living it there. And, uh, and so we need to be praying that God would, would frustrate the efforts of these people when the genuine gospel is going forth uh, in, in so many places. We had the opportunity on Thursday to go see Alan and um, don't, uh, don't tell me, don't tell me. Uh, Fiend, Delphine, Delphine, I didn't hear you, okay? I knew, I knew the first service rolled right off the lip. I'm like, oh, no, I'm going to forget. No, Delphine, right? Alan and Delphine Alunga. All right, that he was here within the past two years. He's been here and, and spoken with us and updated us. But between then and now, God is doing amazing things in his ministry. We got there just as their school was letting out. They, these are school children from their community. These are uh, the community where they, they offer. It's, uh, it's, is it free, Jamie? It's free education. And so people send there. And what are they learning they're learning the Bible as well as math and, and all the other uh, subjects. But here, this is the gospel going forth into families because these kids are taking the gospel home with them. He, they are, are establishing a reputation within their community where this is going to just broaden more and more into gospel proclamation. He's got so many things going on. I don't know how he gets it all done. So it's, uh, it's all centered in the gospel. It's all beautiful uh, and, and uh, invigorating. All right, then, then as we continue to travel, this is Pastor uh, Edward, excuse me, Pastor uh, Arthur and his wife, um, Beatrice. And as, as we uh, traveled with Pastor Arthur from where in Kitwe, which is in northern Zambia, all the way south to Choma, where he ministers, uh, we were in the car with him for two days. Wonderful individual asked us to, to, to speak at his church. Uh, so I did Sunday school. Jamie did the service, uh, the sermon. Uh, for that particular day. But we need to pray for Beatrice. Uh, she's got some health issues going on. And, uh, but pray for their ministry because it is varied uh, and, it, again, very uh, focused on, on the gospel. Uh, there's, that's me doing Sunday school. That's Jamie doing church. Uh, I meant to throw on a slide of the people, all right, so you could see. But it's a, it was probably of a church of about 30 to, you know, somewhere in there. Uh, on this particular day, some people weren't there. Um, but it was a, uh, it was a blessing uh, to be able to worship with them. Now I'm going to introduce you to a guy that I honestly don't know very well, but I'm excited about what God is doing in his life. He is an IBM global missionary. We do not support him from Merrimack Valley Baptist Church, but he's, one, he's part of our ministry in the sense of an, through IBM Global. This is Bart Barker, not Bob. Okay, Bart. Bart Barker, uh, I met him. He was here my first Sunday uh, at, at, at this church. Uh, he, I met him. He was at the candidate school that was going on, and I met he and his wife, and they were just, they kind of, Larry just said, well, come on out, check it out. I don't know if we're going to support you or not. I don't know if we're going to bring you on or not, but let's talk. Well, through that process, IBM Global brought them on. Uh, it's a long story. It's a great story, and, uh, and he has a ministry like none other I've been in, in, engaged in, all right? I'm still trying to process exactly how it all works, but it is, it really is amazing. He is, uh, you'll, you'll see here on the back of their shirts, it says Bart's FC. It's Bart's football club, as in soccer, not what we watch, right? Bart's football, 
He has his own professional soccer team named after him that he did not have two years ago. God has opened doors for him that he never expected. None of, nobody could have called this, right? But because of his, this guy can't go anywhere in Zambia without getting recognized, especially when he's wearing the logo for Bart's football team with the big elephant on it. He's a big guy. He's an impressive guy, former police officer uh, here in the States and did amazing things here. And now he's doing amazing things over there. God, he is, he is rubbing shoulders with some very influ- influential people because of this, this soccer team, the guys were so good, they had an opening to add a team into the professional realm. And they asked him, we want your team to do it because we want a team that's associated with missions, with caring for others. They have a testimony of faith in the gospel. And it got them into the limelight of the, of the football world and uh, the soccer world. And these are his players. Jamie's giving the devotion before the game, which they won. Uh, which was good. And that's Pastor Arthur. He's their normal uh, chaplain uh, for the team. This is Kelly uh, and their daughter, Brooklyn. And uh, they also have a son, uh, Bryce, and a son, Caleb. Uh, Bryce plays for the team. uh, So uh, at the ripe old age of 17, okay? Uh, But you see Bart's football club. So I'm saying this is is another world, right? You think missionaries, you think church planning, uh, and, and like I said, I'm still trying to process this. I'm excited about this because the gospel is going forth. These guys are, are warming up here, but they're also warming up here. Because this, we might think in today's day and age and in a, a country that calls themselves Christian, maybe this is a normal thing to happen. The other team didn't do this. This was a, this was a natural gathering of the team, many of which have just come to faith in Jesus Christ in a matter of the last few weeks. They are preaching the gospel. It's not about football. It's about the gospel. Some of these guys have nothing else in this world than football. But now they have Christ. And it's amazing. It's amazing. On the last full day we were there, uh, just before flying out, we actually had a day of sightseeing. We saw many sights during the whole time, but this was an actual day of sightseeing Victoria Falls, you ever been, if you've never been there, I suggest you go, all right? This is low waterfall. All right, this is low tide, like low, low amounts of water, all right? And I'm thankful for it because otherwise what you'd be seeing is a slide. See in the back all that mist, all right? If it was regular high, high water, you wouldn't see anything. So I was thankful to be able to see more than mist, to go all the way to, to Zambia and see mist. I, I, I would have felt cheated, all right? But here you go. And then, uh, but it's just a, a beautiful experience. And a lot of hiking you can do is beautiful. And then obviously, uh, anytime you go to Africa, you ought to go on a safari. Uh, we're all in there. That hand that's coming out of nowhere, that's Christine. She had just gotten out of the vehicle and they were snapping a picture. So she went like this. All right, so she's there, but we see the Smiths, and, and we all had a great time looking at wildlife. So we got to see zebra, right, zebras, whatever. You see warthogs in the background there, a little baby one over the right, mama on the left. Uh, we got to see monkeys. You would expect to see that. Uh, but this is my favorite, right? We got, to, we got to see that guy as well as three or four of his friends, and um, we were really close to him. It was, it was really cool. Uh, these are the only rhinoceroses, rhinoceri, uh, in Zambia. They're protected at all times by guards from poachers. 
All right, amazing, amazing stuff. We had a great time. So it was wonderful. All right, there's a picture. There's another one with, with uh, Lorelai in the picture. Uh, and, uh, and I think the, the Smith's heart is, it says, I love Zambia. But this was in a restaurant we had. I just decided to take. We actually traveled uh, from up here in the north, Keatway, uh, down through Lusaka, down to Choma, down to Livingston. So we went through this whole line right through there. And it was an amazing, amazing time. But God decided to add blessing upon blessing, and he allowed us, as we uh, went through Johannesburg, we had a nine-hour layover in Johannesburg. And God worked it out where we could spend some time uh, with um, the Kirbys. If you remember, we've been praying for the Kirbys. This man right here, Joel Kirby, was on life support because of COVID. And we prayed, and we prayed, and we prayed. He's looking pretty healthy. And so is the rest of his family. And we had an opportunity to gather together with them at their house and, and to see that this is in the, uh, the orphanage. And um, oh, I'm going to mess it up. Antatile, all right? Uh, 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 and, and it's an orphanage. And they have some homes and they're caring for kids. He's adopted, uh, I think, three already. I think their plans are to adopt a few more. But they're in the process of helping others adopt children. Is there anyone in this room that received help from the Kirby's. Can I see your hand? All right, there we go. All right, there we go. Cool stuff. They love you. All right, they talk very fondly of their time with you. And, and uh, so we, it was their last uh, small group meeting, and they have people from all different nationalities that come together, and we heard John 3, 16 spoken in like six, seven different languages uh, from the different people that were there, and it was a great time of fellowship. But we, we are just so thankful that we got to also connect. We've connected with so many different missionaries as well as uh, IBM Global missionaries. Um, it, it was wonderful, all right? So they're talking about expanding their ministry into more homes, all right? And then there was a the final picture. We're on our way home. We were glad to get home. We were very glad to get home. So now let me transition, all right? We're going to be in the book of James. And as I continue to process exactly what was going on in, um, sorry, I'm getting a notification there. What we're continuing to process what's going on in my life as a result of all this. Uh, I, you know, I wanted to just take a break from Galatians for a Sunday. Uh, and I have to figure out the, the tempo for Christmas and all that. I'll, I'll let you know when we get back into Galatians. But I decided today to be in James, all right? Uh, and, and I forgot there were some slides I added last minute. So let me just talk these, through these slides and we'll get into James. I, I thought for the sake of, uh, and I'll go quickly, uh, for the sake of us understanding the differences and similarities that exist. Some of the differences that exist uh, for us is this is not traffic. This is a line of trucks preparing to cross the border into Congo. And it will take them, is it a week, Jamie? Almost a month. How would you like to be in traffic for a month? You might do what this guy did. He's just trying to get away from the heat. And every couple days, maybe, he gets to move forward. I don't know how it works, but uh, great picture, Lorelai. All right. He is not fixing his truck. He is taking a nap. He's trying to, get, he's trying to just get away from the heat. And, uh, but that's, that's a difference. We don't deal with that. Uh, here, I just wanted to show, they walk everywhere. I've already mentioned they walk hours of church. It's just those, that, that's actually a very good road. And, uh, but everybody walks everywhere. I thought this was a difference. I could never do that. 
okay? Well, I think I heard a story where someone tried to do it, but they hadn't been raised to do it, so they hurt their neck because they tried to do it. The, this young lady here, she was obviously raised from a child to be able to do this. Uh, and that's, and it's very, it's, this is normal. They're not like, right? They're walking down the street. It's just, this is just normal for them. Barbershop there, uh, just thought the guys might appreciate that. All right. Uh, but similarities, I only have one picture, picture for similarity. Kids are kids wherever you go, all right? And they love to have their picture taken. And uh, Lorelai, I don't know if you showed, did you show him the picture after you took it? I know you did elsewhere, and, and they love to see the, and see the picture and they see themselves. But this, this, this kid is a happy kid. He doesn't know he's in a third world country. I, I don't know who this is. I don't know if he's a believer or an un- unbeliever. But uh, he's... He's a person that needs the gospel or needs to live out the gospel, but he is just a happy camera. I just put that one as a similarity because we had these same kids in our world, all right? So not only those similarities are there, but we have the same need for God's word. And this is my segue into the book of James. This is the first, uh, I was going to do the first 12 verses. Then I dialed it back to eight. Then I dialed it back to four because I just had to tell you more of the story. I had, to, I had to do it. I hope, I hope it's been beneficial for you. But we, we are involved in Great Commission living globally. You are involved in your giving, in your praying. We are involved in Central Africa Baptist University that is impacting lives that are invading Africa with the gospel. It's a good thing. But we have a need for God's word. So last Sunday, I did not know Ken was going to preach what he preached on. I had already picked my passage that I was going to talk, touch on today. But last week, he helped us understand that problems mean possibilities. He talked about picking up the ball, right? When problems come, let's not let it uh, diminish us. Let's let it help us to, to move the ball further down the field. Let's, let me, give me the ball, coach. Put me in the game, coach. Problems? You got a problem? I can handle it, right? That's kind of the attitude. That's what he's saying. In Christ, we can do this stuff. So he preached that. I just watched it yesterday. Uh, and, and, but I had already been kind of working on the James 1 passage because that was also part of the, 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 was some of the things that happened uh, at the conference. And I thought, you know, I'm just going to touch on this as a break from Galatians as I get this, process this through my own heart. So today what I want us to consider is that God uses trials to mature our faith. God uses trials. Folks, we have in any given Sunday, we have people in this room that are battling cancer. We have people in this room that are battling divorce. We have people in this room battling uh, the death of a loved one. We have people processing uh, sin that had been sown into their life when they were a youngster or sin that had been sown into their life yesterday. We do not know all the different trials people are, are, are experiencing. But I will say this, God uses trials to mature our faith. We're in first world Christianity, and we have our style of trials. It's just different than the trials of of third world Christianity. But they're trials nonetheless. One's not better or worse than the other. They're just different because we're human beings and we have to process this. I didn't want to use the word problems like, like Ken did last from last week because I think trials, because of the text we're in, I think it's broader. I don't think problems encompasses uh, what James is trying to communicate here. But I thought it was a good preparation, if not a parallel, to what we're uh, looking at today. 
So, yes, certainly problems come. Every problem presents an opportunity to live like Christ to the glory of God or to not. To trust him or to not trust him. This is, whether it's a problem or a trial, whatever it is you're having in life, as Christians, we are called to live out our faith in such a way that it makes a difference, that we honor God and that we trust him. And if God allows trials into our life, they're good things. They produce good in us. We can have, as the text says, uh, we can have joy. So we're going to be in just the first four verses of the, God, the epistle of James, right? This letter of James. Uh, Ken was talking from the perspective of, of uh, Paul last week. But let's just talk about James for a minute. Um, and, uh, uh, and we're going to go right up to the, to the uh, end of the service time with this sermon. There's no song at the end. We'll have a before you go with Pastor Joe, and then we'll take a break and go right. But there's no singing. Just don't get worried, right? We'll finish on time. All right? James. Well, who in the world is James? You know, if you take the book of Acts out of the Bible, you miss a lot. You wouldn't even know who Paul is, right? James is talked about in the Gospels. He is the physical half-brother of Jesus Christ. He grew up with Jesus as his older brother. I have older siblings. Actually, all my siblings are older than me. I'm the youngest spoiled brat baby of six. That's what they would tell you, and I actually agree with them. Uh, I was a brat. But I'll tell you, I don't really know some of my siblings, but I really despised it when they were over me, when they were the boss of me. You're not the boss of me. Yes, I am, right? Well, James is a sibling of Jesus Christ, a half-brother of Jesus Christ. Imagine growing up in a home where your brother literally never did wrong. I know I'm guilty, but Jesus, yeah, I know I'm guilty, right? I don't know what that was like, but I, I want to point out James as the, what, look at his statement, a bond servant of God. Well, a Jewish person could say that, right? Uh, as in a non-Christian Jew, right? A bond servant of God, but notice it says, and of Jesus, James, the physical brother, had to come to faith in who Jesus is and what he had done. He did not grow up. I'm pretty confident, 99.9%. He did not grow up every morning saying, well, there is God's son. He probably didn't do it. I don't know what the understanding was in the home. But we do know this. James and all the other siblings and Mary And Joseph all had to come. Well, Joseph was deceased by this point, but certainly Mary had to come come to faith in who Jesus is and what he did on their behalf. And James obviously did because he says, James, a bondservant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. For James, it would be a bondservant of God and of Jesus, the Lord and the Christ. He gives these two labels. Jesus is the Lord of James' life. Jesus is the Messiah, the Christ, the Deliverer, the Promised One of all Israel. He, and James is saying, he's the one. And I had the privilege of being raised in the same home with him. Although I neglected to probably understand so much of what I could have, I'm a, I'm a believer now. 
And he says to the 12 tribes which are scattered abroad, greetings. This is the, the, the letter. This is the intro to James. We're not preaching the whole book of James right now. But he's saying the 12 tribes which are scattered abroad. Uh, James is just saying we, we don't have time to go into what the 12 tribes represent. Uh, but we can say this. All right. James is writing to believers. We see that as we get into the text in James 1, 2 through 4. He says, my brethren, James is writing to Christians. So everything, Christians, everything that I say in the next few minutes is for you. If it was good enough for the Christians in James' day, it's good enough for us. He says, my brethren, count it all joy. I like joy. We sing about joy, especially this time of year, joy to the world, right? We, we, we do those things. I like joy. Um, I wish I had joy every day. Some of that is dependent on me. Some of it is not, right? Some are circumstances. But notice what he says here. He says, count it all joy. It's a command. It's not, hey, hope you have a good day. It's like, no, be joyful. This is, you must do this, Christian, for you to be, as we're going to look here in a minute, for you to have maturity in your Christian faith. One of, this, one of the things that you was to be true of you is you are to be joyful when when you fall into various trials. What kind of trials do we live through in our life? What trials are you living through today? Is it health? Is it financial? Is it work-related, family-related? I mean, is, is it, is, has, your, has your parent lost a job and all of a sudden, you know, you find yourself, your world's been turned upside down, you have to leave all your friends? I heard a testimony about uh, uh, Bart's son, Bryce, right? Bart, Bart's football club, Bart. Uh, his son, Bryce, who plays for the team, I think he was about the age of 14 when his parents decided that God was, the, felt the call of God calling them to ministry in Zambia. They live in the United States. Bryce is a child that was raised in first world church, first world situations. And, and he is told, we're moving to Zambia. Well, that happens to many, many missionary kids, right? I mean, that, that happens all the time. He is of such skill level that he was already being looked at by professional baseball teams as a pitcher at the age of 14, 15. He went to his parents and he, in tears, you're taking my dream away from me. His dream of professional athletics. He had the abilities. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. That was a trial for his life. What's amazing about it is he came back to his parents. I don't know how long of a time, whether it was hours, days, or even weeks or months. I don't remember. But he came back to his parents one day. Bart told me this story. And he said, I think it was Bart told me. He said, uh, he came back to us and said, Mom and Dad, if one person comes to faith in Jesus Christ, it's worth me not being in professional sports. The kid is a Christian. And he realized that he could count it joy through the trial that was on his doorstep. The unexpected blessing is he's on a professional soccer team, all right? At 17 years of age, being scouted to be on the team and be the future of this team, he will be in professional sports. God gave him, it looks like God's going to give him the desire of his heart. It's just not in America. It's in Zambia. And who knows where that kid will go, right? But count it all joy when you fall into various trials. It's all, the various is a very key word. We don't know what's going on in each other's lives. 
We put on the face. We're having a good day. It's good to be in the Lord. And then, but we don't know. I don't know what's going on in your lives. I'm saying as a Christian, you need to count it all joy when you fall into whatever the trial is. He's saying, be joyful every time you encounter a trial. It is not just be joyful in the ones you can handle. That would kind of defeat the purpose. The whole purpose of this is growing us in our faith. James is telling people, listen, have joy. Be joyful when you fall into these various trials because that is what enables people to see Christ in you. And this joy that they have in these various trials, how can they have it? By knowing a couple things. What do they need to know? Well, first of all, joy in trials is based on specific knowledge. There's specific knowledge they need to know. First, they need to know that trials are tests of genuine faith. If you are going through difficult times, it's not because God hates you. It is not because you've done something so wrong that, you know, God just can't forgive me. You know, God's just punishing me. God's punishment is reserved for those who reject Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Have you rejected Christ? Then come to faith in him. But even then, that judgment is reserved for a day not yet coming, right? It is in the future. That day, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ. If, you're, if you have genuine faith in Christ, you know this. The trials that come into your life and to mine are tests of our genuine faith. When you are experiencing a trial and you are a Christian, you can say, my loving heavenly father is allowing me to go through this for his purposes, for my good, and for his glory. So they, they, James is saying, know this. Christians, we need to know this. Our trials are tests of our genuine faith. And they're tests that are given by the only person who, is, who can give a, Christians a test. And that's, that's, that's God. These are God-ordained trials. They're tests given to, 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 to prove our genuine faith. When we go through a trial and we exist all the way through it and we come out on the other side, have you ever stopped and just said, thank you for the test, Lord? I think some of you have. And some of you are in the midst of those trials right now, and I'm telling you that it, whether, you, whether you live through it physically here or whether you don't live through it physically but you're in God's presence, both of those outcomes glorify God and therefore they are good. It produces something. It produces patience. This word patience can mean patient endurance. It, it, I, I preferred the, the translation that would say perseverance or steadfast faith. All right? Listen, trials produce steadfastness of faith, a persevering faith. If we never went through difficult times we would be weak people. And the same is true in our faith. If we never experience difficult times in our faith, we will not have strong faith. Did you wake up this morning joyfully anticipating trials? Wake up in the morning, eyes open. Hopefully it's still dark, right? Maybe I open my eyes. Ooh, goody. I get to go through some unexpected trials today. Woohoo! I don't do that. But we should. I think we should. I think we should wake up in the morning 
and do a reality check. God, what do you have for me today? Let me help, help me, Lord, to face it in your strength, understanding your purposes. Because I want to be that child of God that honors you. There was a pastor that preached a message years ago. He was, in, in, in this message, he was telling about a, a time where he communicated to one of his friends. And he's saying, this, he goes like, you know, I keep running into this problem. This is my third church, and I keep running into this problem. And his friend said, time out. You keep running into this problem wherever you go? He was like, yeah. He was like, then don't leave this time. And the, the sense of the message was this. When you feel like it's time to quit, stay a little bit longer. And that's not just true of pastors. It's true of any person in life. Sometimes God brings things to the surface and we run from it. We do not want to experience it. We want to run away from the pain. We want to avoid it at all costs. And then we run away and then it kind of comes up in our life again. And we run away and it kind of comes up in our life again. And maybe we ought to realize, persevere, trust God. Count it all joy that you are having this trial and let the trial do its work. Trials produce Stronger faith. Trials produce enduring faith. That's what we want as Christians, isn't it? And then he summarizes, or he finishes in verse 4, finishes for us today. He says, but let patience have its perfect work that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Patience have its perfect work. What are we talking about here? This patience, this steadfast faith, this enduring faith, Faith, let it have its perfect work. Let it do what God has called it to do. It's an imperative. That, don't let that word let deceive you. It's, it's a command. Don't fight the trial. Any of them. Don't fight it. Let the trials accomplish what God wants to accomplish in your life. I hope this is communicating to many people in this room today. Because I know some of you are going through some really hard times. And I want this, forgive me for saying it that way, I should say, I think God wants this to encourage us in our faith. If there was no purpose through the difficulties you're experiencing, that's depressing. It's saying here, but let your steadfast faith have its perfect work that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Let the patient has its complete work. Let it do what it's intended to do. The purpose of trials is to grow us, mature us. It says that you may be perfect, complete, lacking nothing. These three words, perfect, complete, lacking nothing, well, three phrases anyway, I think they're all basically saying the same thing. Perfect and complete, they're so close together in meaning. I I think James is just saying... Allow God's word to be wholly impactful, accomplishing what it's intended to accomplish. I think the first two, perfect and complete, are pretty much almost the same idea. And then lacking nothing, I think, also just flushes out those two. So I think all three words are basically conveying this one thought. Enduring faith is a mark of Christian maturity. Do you often wonder how some people, they just keep going through trial and trial and trial. And you see them and you're like, they have the strongest faith I've ever seen. Right. 
It's a mark of Christian maturity. And is that to say if you're struggling that you're not a mature Christian? No, I'm not, I'm not saying that. I'm saying that God is still maturing you and God will continue to mature us until we're in his presence. Because he doesn't say, be joyful in the trials you encounter just during the first 30 years of your life, 50 years of your life. It's all of our life. This is for all of us. So enduring faith is a mark of Christian maturity. So our faith in a loving God who desires his children to mature, we believe that's part of the Great Commission, right? The mission of the church is to make and mature disciples of Jesus Christ. Well, our loving Heavenly Father who desires as his children for us to mature, right? Our faith should allow us to anticipate trials with joy. Can I say I woke up this morning joyfully anticipating today's trials? No. You can say, can I, did I wake up this morning anticipating today's business meeting? All right? Uh, I, I, am, I, am, I am not down in the dumps. But I will say, I was, I'm not joyful. Any business meeting has, and that's what I, I say here, right? I'm anticipating God, God's will will be revealed through the business meeting. I do. I, do. I, I love business meetings. It's an act of worship. And, and when it's all over, I believe that we as a church family, have uh, done what a church family is called to do, discern the will of God uh, for such a time as this. And for this, I rejoice. Uh, but any business meeting has potential to feel like a trial. It does. I, I am not anticipating that. I have some comments I'll be sharing in the business meeting as preparation for the different motions we'll be going through. All right, but let's just be honest. We live in a world, this is first world Christianity. There's hard, some hard things we gotta talk about. I'm saying let's come together as a church family and let's walk down this path together and let's see what God's going to get done. The fact that things are different than the past is not a bad thing. It's not a bad thing. God allows us to experience the things for his glory, for our growth, uh, and that's a good thing. So let's approach the meeting uh, that way. God is growing our faith with every decision we make. Let's trust him to mature us in our faith, whether it be through trials or whether it be through uh, whatever he allows into our life, even, even the positive things. God allows those to glorify himself and to grow us as well. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this opportunity we've had to be in your word today. Uh, Lord, even just be reminding myself of the joys of the, of the trip. Um, they're very real. Um, and Lord, I pray that you would enable me to continue to process how what I have experienced, what I have learned is to impact uh, me personally, the leader, the way I lead here at the church, the way we do missions as a church, the way we do church as a church. Lord, I pray that you would uh, help us understand that uh, iron sharpens iron as an individual upon individual, but I think even as churches and other cultures can sharpen us as a church and our culture as we seek to sharpen them and theirs. Father, I thank you for the Christian family. I thank you for the Christian dynamic that we have, where we can go and be brothers and sisters uh, no matter where we are in the world, and we can enjoy family. Lord, I thank you for the experiences we've had. I pray that you'd open doors for more people to go into other cultures and to see what they've never seen before, to experience what they've never experienced before, to have their, their life uh, subjected to questions. Question, why do we do the way we do? Should we do it differently? 
Father, I pray that no matter what you're seeking to accomplish in our lives, I pray that we would all persevere with the intent of you accomplishing your work in our life and then through our life into the life of others. Lord, help us to be that church that will allow Christ in us to reveal Christ to our community. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.